another episode of Real Life Game Changers. As always, we're in for an amazing treat. Why? Because we're going to be sharing the journey and the, the highs, the lows, the twists and turns of how to change the game. What is changing the game? Someone who's changed an industry, their life, someone else's life, or just changed the game, changed the trajectory that they're on. So if you're watching this, and uh, you're live, put hashtag live, and uh, let's start tagging some people. Share it on your uh, timeline, because what we're going to be doing by the end of this show is we will, for the people who are watching it live, that is, we will be giving away some real life merchandise. So you will get to select whatever it is from the store that you want. Have to be in a chance for that, you've got to uh, share it on your timeline and um, let us know in the comments that you've done that. And then tag at least 10 people that you want to give the choice. It's their choice, obviously, but give them the choice to tune in and hear about this amazing lady that I've got on this show today. So um, uh, Christina started with nothing and has built a multi-million pound portfolio. This over 30 properties and um, was adopted at six weeks. So uh, some people might see this as a challenging start, starting with nothing being adopted, uh, but she is now a mom of two boys, married and uh, loving riding the waves of life. So any questions that you have during this, get them sent in. We'll get through as many as we possibly can. But let me let me introduce you. Like, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it when people come on here uh, spend their time and their energy to help the game changer vibe continue. So, Christina, thank you for being here. Oh, no, it's great. And you know, I really like doing these because I just love to talk. So, this is my perfect environment. <laughs> love it. Okay, good. So, talk away. Just give us, you know, for, for, to begin with, just give us the highlights of like, okay, so who is Christina? You know what you know what were you like growing up and what was a turning point where something switched on to say yeah i'm gonna get into property okay so um i would say eve i've always been quite um motivated anyway as a person even like as a little girl i i remember watching the brit awards and and crying because for some reason i thought i should have been there like mm -hmm. you know i was just, i just always wanted like lots out of life always like had massive dreams never wanted an ordinary life um and then obviously that sort of led me to the stage anyway so i went to musical theater college at 16 and then had like an amazing career as a singer primarily as a singer but i danced and actors acted as well um and just had a really like always had like a really fun busy um exciting life i think is the way that i would describe it but in terms of like my turning point for property, I had been singing um, all over the world and I just got to a point actually where I'm, I am in some ways um, quite boring in the fact that I really need home, like I need a base. And I don't know, actually, it's only now I've started to think, is that because I'm adopted? I moved around quite a lot when I was younger. I felt quite um, unstable, I think, when I found out I was adopted when I was about 13. It wasn't a very good time in my life. I was being really bullied anyway. I was living in Scotland. I really didn't fit in. I was really bullied and it coincided with the time I found out I was adopted. And the way that I actually, the way that I described how I felt is the 
the bricks from my wall had fallen down. I felt like everything had been pulled underneath me. So it's really actually quite funny that I've ended up being a property investor and sort of building that stability. But I think that's probably definitely influenced my life in wanting a home somewhere safe, somewhere that, you know, I can really settle. So that didn't really work with the whole singer vibe of like me always living out of a suitcase and going from contract to contract so I, I kind of did that as long as I physically could until I was like do you know what I don't want to do this anymore so home for me at back at, at the time was Blackpool and I was like I'm just going to stay in Blackpool I'm not going to work away I'm not going to do the cruise ships anymore like I'm going to find work here and um, I'd lived in London as well and I just couldn't settle there so came back to Blackpool and really started to invest in myself per with personal development I started network marketing um, which I did really well at but the most important thing from that really was that I started to read the books that like change your mindset um, mm. and that is when I discovered passive income and mm. the moment I discovered passive income I was like I don't want any other type of money I only want this money I want the I want passive income and I just got absolutely obsessed so what's your version of passive income? Because the people have different opinions of what passive income really is or what is passive and what's not passive. So, so I think for me, like I, I'm quite comfortable calling passive income something like um, a buy-to-let where maybe you'll, you'll hear something once every few months, but actually it ticks along and... Or like the best, the best case scenario for passive income, I would say, would be like a social housing type of contract where it's totally hands-off that's like the ultimate um and then it kind of like the serviced accommodation stuff is quite passive but it, it's not at all the same as something like a social housing contract on a buy to let so yeah that that's where that's sort of my idea of like heaven <laughs> mm. passive income in terms of that and i guess it is just that there's there's all different levels of it and I guess it's what your appetite is. Absolutely. So, so like, I think there's a lot of people, mostly they just complain about what is passive or what's not passive. Or some people might say or claim that passive is like an easy thing to like a get rich quick stuff. But like, I think it's easy. Like, you know, this working income is something where you trade your time for the income and mm -hmm. like earn it that way. And like the passive thing, and another word that we use is like, you know, like a recurring or yeah. residual or residual income because it's like yeah like even the, the hmos and the studio service accommodation more kind of goes into that but it's still like a section of income that oh, like is, is almost like subscription like because i've built a couple of software companies so on a script subscription basis it's like you know this is what our recurring income is going to be whether it's on a monthly basis it could be on an annual basis whatever it may be so um so so i think our definitions are there or thereabouts. so you said um you know you, you know you you claim that you really love passive income mm -hmm. so like what so when you started learning about it like what yeah. what what happened what kind of switch <laughs> So then I was like, so obviously, so cliche, rich dad, poor dad, you read that book and you're like, um, and then it was like the really like upsetting moment of realizing as a singer, unless I turned into like Katy Perry and I had loads of like hits where I would get that reoccurring income because they're playing it like Mariah Carey every Christmas. 
um and i'm like more theater based so not really like my bag for me it's like i'm in a production show i've got to rock up you know two shows a night forever if i want to earn my money so um it was quite i was like oh no if i'm a singer forever i've got to do this in my 60s like no one's going to be paying to see me kicking my legs in my 60s you know so it was quite quite a like eye-opening realization and I like I've always wanted to earn loads of money it's as simple as that like it just you know that that's the way I've always been what I've wanted to earn lots of money feel very secure have a great life have loads of like you know just do take um take the things I want to do in life do you know what I mean travel and do all the things I want to do so um getting into property basically i went to a free rich dad poor dad two-hour seminar thinking i was going to meet robert kiyosaki turned up in leeds obviously you wasn't there um and i went to network for arbon that was the company that I was doing network marketing with this is years ago now this is like eight nine years ago um just with that mindset of like these will be my people i'll make some friends i'll tell them about arbon and then i've got there and it was like an American guy literally just talking about property and he was talking about buying property but using other people's money and from that moment like my life was changed because I'd never heard of it I didn't know you could do it and once I had that realization of like oh I could do that and I didn't for a second think that I couldn't do it I was literally like he said I can do it I'm just going to do it. So I signed up, as you do, paid all the money, did all the courses. So I spent all my life savings on property trading, which I don't regret for a second because it's, you know, I've got these skills, I've got this information, all this um, knowledge about property. And that, yeah, I, I didn't overthink it. It wasn't like I was a little girl and was like, I'm going to be a property investor. I just heard the information and it really excited me. And I just didn't look back. And just jumped at it and every every course i did just kind of spurred me on more and more the more i learned the more i was like oh this is it this is the thing awesome so we're going to get into the details of the properties and like how you started and you started with none of your own money mm -hmm. you know, so we're very, we're very similar there uh but before we do like you're a mum as well right so like uh, you know, where, where where did this, where when were the kids born and like, was this something you were doing for them or, because people are always kind of challenged by time, let's say, oh, uh, yeah. can I do it? And and then the people say, oh, but I've got kids. So like, how did that happen? And uh, how did you keep going while, while being a mother? Yeah. So at the time I was 28 and I was single when I started, so I didn't have children. Um, <laughs> but actually my greatest years of growth were when I was pregnant because that was the fear I felt when I got pregnant was like oh my god this is real like I, I've got I, I didn't know what to expect and I was like this has to be solid now like we can't play around with this this needs to be solid so my best years of building were from being pregnant to when my first son Grayson I were I probably took two or three months off and then I was out viewing properties with him literally strapped to me and I think I bought 10 or 11 properties in the space of being pregnant to him being one I was just at it because I had this like unbelievable strength and determination because of having a baby um so yeah 
I'd say the majority of like my best things have been since having children and there's definitely that you know change when you have kids and your time is much more precious but I think that's why I was so much more productive because I didn't have loads of time so the time I had I just didn't overthink things I was just quite militant with it really Mm, awesome so like you started so you started purchasing properties with zero of your own money right yep absolutely awesome so so what was that like did you just hit the ground running and it was all seamless for you was there some challenges let us know how you start how it was when you started yeah so when i started my first six deals were with um, a joint venture partner and it was someone that I didn't know that I actually met at, um, at a charity gala, like an evening event. And I went down to London from Blackpool, taking the Saturday night off work singing, got like far too excited, drank all the free Prosecco and was basically going around with business cards, just being like, I'm from Blackpool and I can get amazing deals. And this guy phoned me the next day and he was like, can you actually get good deals? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I can. And he said, right, well, if you've got good deals, I'll, I'll finance them and we'll just split the profits 50-50. And I actually had two deals at the time that I needed financing. Um, one was a HMO, six-bed HMO, and the other was um, like a terraced house that had been converted into five flats. So um, he purchased, we, we purchased those as a, on a joint venture basis and then carried on basically together, um, which was great because I was learning quick but then the downside, I guess, to that was that I he became my comfort blanket. So instead of like buying things on my own, I would just go straight to him rather than like sort of building more for myself. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got started. Nice. And some people, oh, it's good to hear this time and time again, because some people, they're like, no, not for me. You know, like, I'm never going to be able to find someone who's going to join venture with me. Who's going to want to lend me money in the beginning because I don't have any experience. Like, you know, how many times I've heard that before from people. So to hear it time and time again, is really good because people are now going to be like, okay, every time they hear it, it's getting them closer to be like, yeah, just go out there. Tell it, tell people what you're doing, market what you're doing, document your journey, which is exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. what I did as well. And um, I yeah, think we people put blocks before they're even there. Like, I think people just say, oh, no, like, I can't raise the money. And then the first thing I say, well, is how many people have you asked? And they, they say, oh, like four. And I'm like, four? Exactly. Four? Like, yeah. that's not a thing. You can't just ask four people and be like, oh, it's not going to work. So I think people quit before they've even tried. They're so scared of rejection that they won't even, like, just ask. Yeah. And actually, it's so much easier. Like, it, it, I think the raising finance part is not the tricky part in property at all. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's my, that's my experience of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've got to drop enough stones in the water to create enough ripple effects and something happens. I think I don't want I'm going to sound like if I say this right in this day and age, that makes me sound like I'm old or something. Yeah. In this day and age, like people, they don't have any patience. You know, they're like, oh, I made a phone call and, you know, the gold didn't drop into my lap. So it doesn't work. Or yeah you know, this is not the way or it's not for me or it's not going to happen. But I think it is also because people have been conditioned, taught for so long to do this, get paid that, you know, like the employee. Mindset. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with employees. I've got loads of them. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with employees. But it's, I'm just saying it's a certain mindset. It's like, I'll only do this if I get that. 
Yeah. You know, I'll work for the month to get paid that, you know, money at the end of the month. Where, where in property, there are actions and work that has to be done, which on if you're looking for something physical, it, it's not going to be there. Like it's a little bit, it's invisible. Well, I say a little bit, it's not a little bit, it's, it's invisible. So people's mindset is like, well, hold on a second, a month, I'm a month in and I don't have a paycheck already. You know, so like it's the old conditioned mind. What advice would you have for people to help get over that? Um, I think, I just think be realistic with it. I know it sounds boring. It's so boring to say that, but it you, you do have to have that sort of, it is an entrepreneurial mindset where you, you put the work in now and you'll get paid forever, but you're not going to get paid right now. And it takes a lot of discipline. And certainly when I started, I didn't, I reinvested all of my cash flow. I was very clear with what, what my, what I was doing with it. And I would literally, my cash flow, I wouldn't touch it. And I would just constantly plow it into the next deals. And then I would do active, I would have active income as well. I'd be sourcing deals, flipping, um, making sure that I had additional income that I would live a nice lifestyle off. But I, you know, it, to me, it was like, especially using other people's money as well. I was very, you know, you can't, I didn't take the cash flow until it was refinanced and I paid them back. So, you know, I think it's having that bigger vision and seeing the bigger picture of, yes, you might not get paid for if you're using other people's money. You might not get paid from that property for a year, but you're going to have that for the rest of your life and you're going to have all the equity and all the growth and all the positive. So what's it going to look like in 10 years' time? So it, it's it's about, con you've got to brainwash yourself, really. Like I just yeah. listened to loads of audio books and brainwashed myself into just thinking this way and it's normal to mm. be yeah. And I like you say like the term brainwashed in a positive way because at the end of the day, everybody is brainwashed. And usually in a negative way. And it's instead, yeah. it's like, well, you just have to take control of your own mind. Stop watching all the stuff on the news and just decide what you're putting in your brain. Is it positive? Is it gonna is it gonna make your life better or is it gonna make it worse? Yeah, absolutely. But Leo, so so you're gonna be brainwashed anyway. So do mm -hmm. so something good to be brainwashed with but all of these things they i know how they can be addicted i've been there and, and if i'm not careful i can see how easily i could slip back to watching all of these you know uh, programs and films that are like negatively impacting like down and out you know there's a problem everything's you know gonna fall to pieces or you can listen to like the rich dad robert kiyosaki we had Sarah, uh, sharon lecher who was his business partner co-founded rich dad education wow. on just a couple of weeks ago and wow. Uh, so, so so like you can either as she also did out with the devil think and grow rich for women so like we were talking about like you got to listen you got to read and then you got to be around people who are going to reinforce all of these learnings not rubbish it yes. because it's so easy to be like to jump onto something new and say oh what there is a new way i can make money i can buy a property with none of my own money and then it's so easy to just go say did you know you could do that and somebody like you can't do that and then and then you just quickly switch back to there yeah you're right you can't do that hmm. versus get around people who are like you well, of course you could do it and the thing is when you are around people that do what we do it becomes the norm so so now because most of my like you know network are property investors that you know use or that regularly invest with other people's money to me when i meet someone that invests that doesn't do that i'm like oh 
like you know because that now is not normal for me i'm like what you just use your own money boring <laughs> you know like because to me that you know real proper hardcore investors are constantly raising finance because you're always doing deals like if you're busy you're just constantly you know raising finance to do property deals that's that's the way that i see it yeah and it's a great way to get started because let's say you don't have enough money to put down as a deposit the equity pay for the builds or whatever it is then there's so many i mean just yesterday we we raised um this was a training right so, so this was mostly just beginners or people who had a bit of education we raised like 120k in 15 minutes yeah which, which is actually quite low you know compared to what we normally do um there was kind of less people there and uh, anyway that was that but like the way i see it is that can be one it can get you started but let's say you start making some money just like i don't want to get into how you know you did it and how you built and how you continued but when we started we did like seven deals all at once you know, one flip or the you know, one flip, six HMOs. And then when these start getting refinanced and money start dropping in by then, we'd already started the next round of deals. So then money starts coming in and it's like, okay, so now we have enough money to do the type of deals that we're already doing using other people's money. Mm-hmm. The way I saw it is, hold on a second, if we can put this money, if we can go raise even more money, then, and put that then money together, so like, so, so like we used none of our own money up until like 6 million, but as soon as we got to about 6 million, it's like, okay, let's start using our money, but let's go and put it into something larger now. So like, it's okay saying now I've got the money to use my own deals, but I see it. I like to be, I'm lazy. So I have to be accountable. So I'm accountable when I have to go and raise money. And now someone else's money's in the deal. I, yes. I, I think if I was just doing it with mine, I'd be like, okay, it's okay. If like that. We lose that bit of margin or whatever, but when other people's money, I've got to stay accountable because I, I must pay them back. Like my record is over a hundred percent actually of paying people back because we paid people more when things were delayed. Um, so that's so important to just keep, even when you got the money. So let's say even if you had a million, well now go raise 4 million, do something that requires 5 million. That's the way I see it. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. It makes you a really skilled, savvy investor when you're dealing with other people's money because you really do um, triple check your figures You because you're so accountable. Because, yeah, I, I really resonate with that. And also borrowing from the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, because some people, they're like, oh, well, I raised this much money now, so I'm just going to buy it cash. And I've seen people buy, you know, some houses cash. And I'm even thinking, like, imagine if we were able to raise, you know, we've got to raise, like, silly money at the minute, like, uh, private finances, nearly $3 million, uh, for a few different deals. And the money from the bank is, like, $10 million plus. And I'm just, I you know, I just, like, sometimes I have these moments, like, I'm like, I wish the money would just drop in, you know, and I just put it in. So it's less kind of hassle, you know, and less stress of, like, of, of um, you know, like, the bank's demands, you uh, know? The remorse. But- and all the paper, all the faff that comes yeah, with the development, the drawdowns, the fact that they're yeah. going to get the valuations, and like I'm, you know, we're doing deals bigger than I ever done before, so I'm well out of my depth right now. And I've been open to everyone, the broker, the vendor, everybody. I'm like, yeah, this is a massive thing. We've never done this before. And um, uh, what I realise is, you know, valuations that normally cost us fifteen hundred quid is now going to cost us fifteen grand. So it's not like yeah. we're messing, it's not like we can mess about, but I have those moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do that. But then I remember and I think, 
look, they are making me better. Like the fact that I have to answer to these demands of the bank, make me better and make the deal more secure because they're, they're more experienced than most developers, but making sure that they say, I want the deal to stack, especially yeah. over the last, you know, let's say, where is it now? Oh, 10, yeah. 10, 12 years with all the different things that have happened since 2008 and banks being over leveraged, they don't want to do that again. Oh so, yeah, that's right. So even though it seems like hassle, it's actually another team member, so to say, to make sure, yep, your deal's got to stack and it's got to be right. So mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So tell us about, so, so you purchased over 30 properties in the last seven years, you started mm -hmm. with nobody. Yeah. So just, so you said you started out with a joint venture partner. So then you said it was your comfort blanket. So what was the switch? Mm -hmm. and so what made you want to do it differently? And what did you do differently? To, to be honest with you, it was, we, we worked together um, about two years. I worked exclusively with, with this partner. And towards the back end, I started to realise, so so we were, we were doing HMOs, but the area that we were doing them, it was quite, um, just quite unusual to do HMOs there. I'd got a bit overexcited because the first deal that came to me came from a distressed landlord that was well he wasn't distressed he was just selling actually and the properties were estate um and they came through a leaflet campaign and so i sort of fell into hmos in the fact that an amazing deal just sort of dropped into my lap and then from there i was like oh we'll just keep doing that because i was finding these amazing huge really cheap properties but the area actually isn't the best for HMO. So what what had happened is I ended up working with a letting agent that was really negative, but she was the only one in the area that would manage HMOs. And I was running around like a blue arsed fly. Um just what realised I swore. Um and doing a lot of work and actually wasn't really getting that much money. And it was only after months and months and months and months and months I realised that the I hadn't really understood the contract that I'd signed. And when I looked through the statements, I realised that he was kind of acting as a as a bridge and as a JV partner. So any money left in the deal, I was getting charged 12% a year interest on that money. And from the moment we completed, the whole time in refurb, I was getting, it was like... Um, like when you're on a bridging loan, rolled up interest. So I wouldn't get paid until that interest was paid off. And it had taken months and months and months for me to finally work out what had happened. And by the time I did, I was like, oh, yeah, this, no, this isn't going to work. So that, that's 100% my fault because I was so eager to get started. I was so green to business, so eager, just so happy to be, you know, doing this that I was literally like, yeah, sounds great. He's going to finance it, sign it, you know, wasn't because to me, I'm, I would make this excuse of I'm a singer, I'm a performer, I'm not analytical, I don't understand, you know, I don't understand these spreadsheets. And so I just put it off and put it off and put it off. And one day I was like, this isn't good enough, like you need to understand this stuff. And when I finally understood what was happening, I was like, no, I need to do this on my own, in my own name, or have full control, because everything was in his his company. I didn't have a, a say on his company. I didn't see the statements. So I had no control, really. So at that point, I was, you know, I just said, there's, I don't think there's enough in this for two people. And he, and he you know, 
he bought me out and I was really happy with that. And so I went off and started investing just completely on my own. Mm, so, so was that then with your own money or were you still raising? Yeah, so at that point I, I had a small amount, but not enough for me to just to be buying properties cash and refinancing. So the way I saw the pot that I had was money that I would leave in deals. So I still raised finance on every single deal, but my, my um, strategy was always to buy at least 50% return on investment. So the most I was ever really leaving in a deal was £5,000. So I would just, um, the, the pot that I had, I would literally go, well, that five's going to be left in that deal. And this one's money in, money out, so that's fine. And this deal, I'm going to put, you know, and I just divided it up and was conscious about continually earning more as well alongside, but always raising finance to actually do the deals. Mm. Yeah, so I think there's so many different strategies and so many different ways to make money. But I want to just go back to the fact that you said, okay, you were so eager just to get going. You did get going, but then you found out that, hey, like you want to do things differently. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I don't know what you feel about it, but like, I think that's such a good thing because like, imagine if you'd have wanted to tackle well, I must know all of this and I must know how the spreadsheet works and I must know every detail. Like this is what I see stops most people from starting in the first place. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say it here because I want to say it as much as possible. So I started training uh, for tennis in August 2022. And my aim is to win Wimbledon next year. Yeah, and everybody I tell, they just laugh. Yeah, but I, I just want to use this kind of exercise. We're going to film a documentary. Maybe Netflix will buy it. I don't know, um, especially, you know, if it happens, uh, which I'm determined that it will. And uh, the reason I want to do it is because I, I, I want to, like, I just came up with the idea. I was like, what stops people? Oh, when they tell them their goals, they don't dream big enough. Uh, if they tell someone their goals and they get laughed at, they'll kind of now not want to tell anyone else. Mm. and then when I started finding out what it takes there's only 128 people go into the Wimbledon in the men's singles and like there's only eight wild cards there's 104 that go through international rankings I've got to win tournaments and all of this stuff and I was like wow then there's a lot and then I, and then I caught my brain and I was like oh so this is what happens when people start business or people start property they're like oh now it takes all this nah, give it a miss now um, so I want to do this process just for that because now I've found, by the way, tennis is so technical. I, I always heard that it's technical, but now I had some coaching and my next coaching is tomorrow with a brand new coach who I've never coached with before. And I realized it's so technical. I heard it's technical, but now I realize it's technical. That's another reason why someone would stop in business because like, oh, actually it takes a bit more than what I first thought and, and they'll stop. So what is it that, um, did you have any, uh, can you relate to that in your journey that maybe like if you'd have knew that you wouldn't have started? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was, when I done, did my training, I thought, oh, well, that's, that's it then. You just find a money and money out deal and then the bank just refinances it. And it's all, it was so simplified in my mind. And it's only once I was so deep in that I couldn't really then, come back so I'm, I'm quite glad that I didn't I didn't actually know the reality because it would paralyze it would be paralyzing so I think that every obstacle that I sort of came across 
I was just learning on the job and there have there's been so many times I've wanted to quit so so many times especially at that point where you know I'd worked for two years to build this portfolio which I was really proud of to then basically walk away from it um, and start again with nothing apart from you know a little bit of money that I'd been bought out with but certainly not enough you know in terms of like oh well now I can retire it was nothing like that it was just sort of like okay well so some breadcrumbs that I can you know go go and sort of build off but um yeah it it's 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 been hard over the years but I think it just takes you can have a bad day and you know feel like a real loser I certainly did you know at points but then get up the next day and be like right off we go again and I think it's just the bouncing back and I always bounced back because I had a, a big desire for it and I sort of thought well if I'm not going to do this what am I going to do can't, you can't quit everything exactly what like what then what how embarrassing would that be yeah you know? and that's what, and that's what I want to ask you because on one side of the spectrum it's like okay well if I'd have knew that that was going to happen maybe it wouldn't have started and that's that so-called bad day you're talking about Mm-hmm. But then let me ask you, before you started any of the uh, this property stuff and building that business, how many bad days did you have before of like, well, I can't continue doing what I'm doing? Yeah, well, this is it. Like, and the, because, of, because I was still singing alongside doing this, because obviously I had to earn, had to earn money um, as well. I would really use that fire of if I did, if I had a gig and you know, I'm standing on stage, I'm looking at everyone's drunk and there's a fight and I'm literally thinking, what am I doing? Why am I here at midnight with all these drunks? I actually hate this. I That fire in my tummy, I would just, I would go, I'm going to do property and I would use it as a motivation to think I am worth more than this. And so that is the thing why I just could never quit because I, ha- I just had so much passion and, and fire inside me. Um, I just I just couldn't allow myself to not do it mm. and that's I see and, and hear this a lot of like what we're talking about here which is the whole um, paralyzed from what do they call it and uh, analysis paralysis yeah that's it yeah mm-hmm. so they, they do that and it's like well hold on a second like if the being a successful is difficult then I know definitely from my experience, being broke is difficult. Yeah. But doing something every day for many hours where I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel is difficult. So if that's difficult, but also success is being difficult, then which difficult you want to do? Exactly. <laughs> Choose your difficult. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally. I- but, but, but so most people, they need something major to happen in their life before they pay attention to it. There's a, there's, a, there's a rare few that sit there and say, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that decision. You know, most people have to be made redundant. Someone has to die. They have to be totally on their ass. So they, we've got the back is against the world. We've got nothing to lose. Mm. You know? And I've been at different stages here or there. Uh, but but now I see the old, um, you know, like the Donald Trump story, you know, of like, you know, he was a billionaire, lost it, built it back and more, you know, and, and somebody once told me, they was like, could you imagine if like Donald was a millionaire or like if Donald was worth 50 million, he would think he was broke. 
Mm. That's broke to him. And it's like, that's where it landed. And I'm like, it's just, and that's when I realized there's no difference between one pound or 100 million pound other than the way I view it. So like mm-hmm. before when I'm counting my pennies and I used to save, I don't know if you remember the Grolsch bottle, you know, the Grolsch bottle with the uh, kind of the lever that gets the lid on. Mm-hmm. I had a big, I had a big one of these. Yeah. That I used to put pounds in cause they were the only coin that really fit in. So I used to save my pounds and I remember I had like 300 pounds saving up. Now, sometimes I make transactions that are like 30,000, 50,000. And I'm just like, there's no difference. Just the way I viewed it then mm-hmm. versus I view it now. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny sometimes, you know, on your bank, it says, you know, you say make the make the make the payment now. And mm-hmm. depending on your bank, it'll depend what it says. But they'll say something along the lines of, are you comfortable with this payment? And sometimes yeah. it's a big payment. I'm like, no, I'm not comfortable with it. Should I take no then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. like, uh, it's just the way it's just a way that somebody's looking at it. Definitely. And I think when you're in property as well, it's just it is just numbers and you just get used to the numbers getting bigger. And I really notice that around people that, you know, have jobs or live a certain way. And actually, I was getting um, the fire, um, the fire stuff installed in Empress Hall, you know, the extinguishers and stuff. And um, and the guy that came to do them said, you know, do you want this type or this type? This type's more, this one's expensive. And I went, how expensive? Like what? And he said, um, a hundred pounds. And and I just thought, that's not expensive. But that's the difference in how you view money and what you're used to dealing with. When he said it was expensive, I thought it was going to say a couple of grand per, you know, and it was like hundred quid. And I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah. Well, you know, just you, you yeah. do. It's, it's how you view money and what you're used to dealing with, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And, and more and more I realize these days when somebody does say something like expensive, I'm like, yeah, but how much? Like, but you better tell me because. Yeah. What's your, your expensive versus my expensive can be totally different yeah. things. And depending what we're investing in, by the way, if I'm investing in myself, like whether I'm investing in myself, coaching, mentoring, training, going to retreats, whatever it is I want to do to better myself, whether we're investing in new staff, new equipment, whatever it is, I have switched from asking, well, how much does it cost to thinking how much is it going to make? Yeah. Because that's really what's important. And, and if anybody watching this, if the only thing that they take is like, you know, what you've been saying, Christina, is like, change this view of money what rather than how much is it going to cost me how much is it actually going to make me then actually decisions are made that make big difference mm-hmm. you know i can't imagine i'm, I'm like you I, the first time i invested in or, or went to a training was an online webinar i spent 49 dollars on and i was sweating i was thinking man like, is this for real but like 49 dollars at that time i was willing like you know let me do that you know, I'm willing to do it after years of like watching YouTube videos and trying to get stuff for free and borrow books off people rather than buy it myself, all of this stuff. And on that $49 webinar, I ended up buying a thousand dollar product. And I was just like, I thought I'd been hypnotized by some kind of frequency through this, through the screen or something like that. I was like, so scared. All my kind of background from growing up on a council estate started like, just like, have I been robbed? And even for a week, even for a week later, I'm watching the videos. I'm like, is these videos even worth it? Like, like, could I get my money back? Uh, But I, but that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it started to shift my 
thinking of like, well, is like it's a forty-nine dollar cost, it's a thousand dollar cost to well actually how much have I now made because like my learning curve just went whoosh and just uh you know changed the game, which is what obviously we're on here speaking to you about. So we're gonna just do a couple of quick fire questions now because mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, as we're doing this live at eight o'clock every Monday, we have our real life community uh, mastermind. So anybody who's watching that here, I want to give them time to get ready for that. So it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, but I just want to wrap up with some of these questions. Yeah. So, so let's say based on what we've just been talking about, this money, you know, mindset and viewing money and, and getting started because so many people are like, message me and they're like, Mark, you know, one day, I'm going to get into property. And I'm just thinking, no, you, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So like what advice, first of all, do you have for anyone who's kind of thinking, yeah, I want to do something different. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to make money in a different way. What advice do you have for them? Honestly, I would say don't like listen to that feeling in your gut and you have to run with it. And you have to, I would say, don't overthink it. Get some education a hundred percent. And sometimes you really do need to jump and take that you know to put yourself in a position where you tell people something where you're like i am not gonna be able to quit this because i've either a told everybody that i know so i now have to do this or i have b spent so much invested so much money in this that i now need to make it work sometimes i think you really just need to just to jump in rather it just is so painful it's like pulling the plaster off slowly if you're just in and out and tiptoe nothing really happens i think if you have that voice you just have to to really trust it and just go for it beautiful thank you so um just to kind of wrap this up and i've got one last question for you uh but before i ask you that question i just want to say even in this short time so much value so much inspiration what a great energy you have as well anyone who can just have an ounce of that energy to help them get going uh, that'd be very valuable for them so thank you so much for coming on here absolute pleasure uh, to have you on the show oh thank you so much i appreciate that yeah absolutely yeah for sure so uh, we have this saying in our community and uh, i want to ask you a question about it so we always say that you're going to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Um, because, so this might be a bit of a hippie answer that I'm going to give, actually. But I think if you're doing the right thing for the right reason, you're, in, you're being congruent with yourself. So it will, it will always come good. If you're, true, if you're, if you're doing something that's aligned with you, you'll stay on you'll stay on course even if it goes um a little bit wrong sometimes you'll get back on if you do something for the wrong reason i think eventually that it that will cause come back and bite you in on the bum i think <laughs> fantastic there you go that's the crowd with a big round of applause <laughs> like, like like i just want to say before i, I ask you a favor uh, what a great inspiration to to women, mothers uh, out there in business or not in business and want to get in business and want to have some control. So uh, make sure you follow Christine on the socials. 
and um, ask any questions in here. If you're watching it on the replay, put a hashtag replay. If you're watching it live, put a hashtag live, just so we know if uh, anyone's questions come up. Uh, but in a, what we say, Christina, in our community is you've got to do the right thing for the right reason because it's the only way to discover your true potential. I always like to ask people to what it is, right? So thank you for giving us that. But so we can add you to the real. Yeah. yeah. Would you? Would I be able to ask you again and you say, because it's the only way to discover your true potential? Absolutely. Oh gosh, I've got to remember that pressure. Because it, <laughs> what is it? Because it's the only way to discover your true potential. There you go. You're like a natural. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you again. So, um, hey, we have this saying in our community that you got to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Because it is the only way to discover your true potential. <laughs> Thank you so much. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff on this real life game changer. Thank you for being here once again, Christina. Thank you for everyone watching and listening in wherever or whatever platform you're doing that on uh do keep your feedback and your comments coming and until next time like christina said you've got to do the right thing for the right reason because it is the only way to discover your true potential thank you